heart and soul. We continue on our adventure in faith. I had actually planned for something else for this Sunday in terms of our focus and even speaker, frankly. But what I found was that um, something else was coming through. Um, last week felt like, felt incomplete. It felt like there was another part to it. Maybe not for you, but it did for me. Like there was another, another episode, another something more in the, in the sequence of it. And so I'm going to, I'm going to share with you what I get, what I've gotten to, to bring. So, you know, I'm still very, very clear that I am, we are on an adventure in faith. And that what is required of us, our, our individual and collective call is to rise up, is to, to stand in it. It's not to, and, and as I say that, the picture I just saw in my mind is when something is before us, we can cower to it, we can respond to it fearfully, we can respond to it in a way that implies that we do not have what it takes in order to experience this and live to tell it or emerge from it whole with a sense of wholeness and completeness. I've really come today to say, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Even if it feels like that, it's feel the fear and do it anyway. Feel the fear and be it anyway. That there is an opportunity to size up the adventure. And even though it feels like, whoa, I didn't sign up for this, this is more than I feel that I can be and do and have as an experience in my life, remember that the calling is still to rise up, to rise into it, to be willing to, to step up anyhow, to rise up into the fullness of the divine design on your life, in and on your life. So I want to begin with Philippians 2 and 5. You know, I've been hearkening on this. Forgive me, I have a little throat lozenge in my mouth, and I kind of need it right now. So I'm going to try to work with it so it's not interfering, but just now I thought, I think it might be interfering, and people are wondering, what's going on with her? So now you know what's going on with me. And we can focus on the message. So Philippians 2 and 5 says, Have this mind in you that was in the Christ, that is in the Christ consciousness, that the master teacher, Yeshua, was an example of, the one that he expressed. What we, when we read or even hear of, we have tremendous indication of how and what the master teacher believed. But hear this very clearly, because this is, for me right now, it's more important than it ever was. 
This is not like a new scripture. It's one that many of us have been familiar with for forever, you know, just across the spectrum, meaning it's not an obscure scripture for many folks who know anything about Bible. But right now I'm bringing it to you because I have a different, a greater understanding of how important this message is to shift our mindset in a way that it is much more like the example of the master teacher, to shift the way that we interact with life, to shift the way that we hold life, to shift our sense of life and living and humanity in that. In Luke 6, I shared with you last week where the master teacher in verse 46 says, why are you calling me, my Lord, my Lord? You're not even doing what I say. And I come to you kind of asking the same question. Why do we talk about Yeshua as the master teacher if we're not going to learn nothing? If we're not going to hold that energetic presence in that way, if we're not willing to, to be a student, to bring the student mind, to bring the open mind, to be available to a new way, if you will. He specifically, well, it's recorded in Luke 6, verse 47, that every person who comes to me, this is the this is where the, the lesson from the master teacher is coming. So anyone who comes, who shows up, who rises up, who is willing to be open and available, because if we think back, we're not believing necessarily that everybody who came to hear him, and we know there were throngs, the folks, the multitude, if you will, we cannot believe that they knew what he was going to say. You know, it's not like they had already heard the podcast and then came to hear it in person. It's not like the concert, you already got the album and you go to hear the, the live performance of it. This is very much a place of, I think, discovery. They had a sense that it was different because everywhere he went, something else happened. There was something good. There was always a story. And so more and more people were attracted to who is this and what is he talking about? And can I break me off a piece of this? Can I get some of this good? So it, he says that everyone who comes in that way and has heard my words, if they do it, which I interpret as if they believe it and apply it. If you hear what I say, the story moves from not just being able to tell people I was there, I heard what he said, but that my life, I'm transforming my life in it. I hear it and I am believing it and thus I am applying it. 
in this scripture, he is said to then go on. He's, it's a teaching moment. He's saying, I'll show you what this is like for anybody who does what I'm talking about. Now, here's what I love about this, because this is what I call a Martha and the Vandellas moment, where there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, because he could have just said that. Could have just said, I need you to, if you're going to show up, I need you to listen to me and then apply it in excuse. Go do. But just to make it crystal clear, he says this. He says, I'll show you what it's like if you do that. Because you'll be like the person who builds the house. Now, can I just tell you that the thing is forever unfold. This is not a mountaintop teaching. This is not where, you know, several decades ago I read this and I'm just coming to you with the same idea about it. Recently, it's blown up in my mind that I have always thought about this scripture as talking about house in this particular scripture as the structure for the one who builds the house on solid rock is what he's saying. Yes? But what if we're not even talking about a house? What if we're talking about like we usually do when we, when in Scripture, the symbolism, house is consciousness? What if what is being said here is if you build your consciousness, if what you believe, if what you know, if what you're aware of is based on solid truth, then something else can happen. Now, what's interesting about this, and you can always tell it, it's a both and. That's true about your house with the lumber or the concrete or whatever you're building it out of. That's true about that. But what if we're not, what if there's a deep, you see, I need you to come go. I need you to rise up into another way of seeing this. If we're talking about consciousness, then look at here. For the one who builds their consciousness, their awareness, it says, and dug deep and laid the foundation, dug deep. Come on, it's, it's going to require a deeper energetic, a deeper understanding, a deeper knowing, a deeper availability, a deeper willingness. Yes, it's going to require you. See, we've been here before that rising up requires going deep first. You know how that goes with, before you, you got to get that spring to it if you're really getting ready to go somewhere. Yes. So it requires that you dig deep because you're building a foundation on solid rock, solid truth. The rock, I believe, is representing the immutable. <sighs> See, and then he goes on to lay it out because if you do that, when the flood comes, and the flood is coming, and again, because we're talking about metaphysically, we're not talking about weather flood, W-E-A-T-H-E-R, weather flood. We're talking about the change. It's an adventure in faith. I know you didn't sign up for it. You didn't buy a ticket. It's life and living. 
There's going to be an adventure. And when it comes, you will be solid in your knowing. You will be so grounded in the truth that you're still going to be in an adventure in faith. Oh, but you're going to be standing in it. You may say to folks, ooh, that wore me out. But they'll be looking at you saying, not so much. Not so much, because look at you. Look at you with your bad self. Having rocked through the storm. Having, <laughs> I got this picture in my mind on this adventure in faith. You know, the, the folks on the, on the, what do you call that in the, at the fairgrounds, the, the roller coaster. You know the one. Some, some, of, some are turning green and some are holding their stomach. And then they're the ones who are. All their photos look like this. <laughs> and other people are like, oh, my God. And their knuckles are holding on. You understand what I'm saying? So it's an adventure in faith. But how you going to ride it? How you going to ride it? How you going to traverse? The adventure. That's what I think this scripture is about. And then just in case, because he knew who he was talking to. And so he said, okay, I laid it out if you do the thing. But now I want to make it clear. If you don't, you're going to be like the one who built it on sandy ground. On an insecure foundation. Who's believing whatever they Google. Who's believing whatever they told you who's believing something off some site and accepting it because you got somebody to agree. I'm trying to say something just to break this thing up in a way where we begin to think more. See, this is why a spiritual practice is so essential. Because you want to check who you're listening to. And if you're not creating a sufficient breath and scope of silence. You're not getting what you need. Because that's how it comes. You must create the space to have the listening, to know that it's even happening. Look at here. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know it. Trust in the Lord. We know often we can replace the word Lord with law. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and soul, I'm adding. Give it your all. Trust in the entirety of this truth and lean not on your own understanding. See, sometimes just remembering that will give you an opening. Like, well, I understand it to be, but then it's like, but wait a minute. If the coaching was to not lean on my own understanding, then allow my, I can allow me, I'm willing, if I'm listening, to open it and see if there isn't something else there. Because I know y'all are so smart, you know pretty much everything. But I've really come to remind you to not rely on just all that you already know. Because if if all you're to bring is just what you already know, why do, we need, why do you need tomorrow? I mean, if you've already checked it all off, you've already been there, done that, why do you need tomorrow? 
see, on my planet, I feel like our living is about expanding our awareness. And every day that we awaken in our right mind, meaning a functioning mind where you know you're awake and you know where you are and who you are, then that is evidence. That could translate to evidence that I am to use this day to engage my awareness in a way that I've not before. Because I'm not clear that the world is, what the universe is requiring, is desiring of us, is that we just keep doing what we've been doing. Because we already know what that gets us, what we've already gotten. And what kind of, well, we know what kind of world that gets us. I'm just, we don't even have to imagine that. So look, look. Gary Lynn Floyd wrote a song. Part of the lyric is, when I dive into a deeper field of energy, when I have no eyes to see what lies ahead of me. Come on, this is an adventure in faith, isn't it? That's what he's describing, at least on my planet. I will be one with a vibration where boundless joy breeds wild elation. You better write, Gary. Yeah. When I dive into a deeper field of energy, that's the invitation today, is that you would be willing to dive into a deeper knowing, a deeper awareness, a deeper experience of the divine. I offer you, Gary Lynn Floyd, a deeper field of energy. When I dive into a deeper field of energy When I have no eyes to see what lies ahead of me I will be one with a vibration With boundless joy breeds wild elation When I dive into a deeper field of energy When I have exhausted human physicality I will embrace my resurrection As I move through a new dimension Oh 
of energy When to leave my body has become what's best for me I will feel from a fresh perception What I have known since my inception Don't you worry, don't you fret Trust me, I got no regret at all Into space and out of time I find my wings and learn to fly From a free fall When I die When I dive into a deeper field of energy When I dive into a deeper field of energy When I dive into a deeper field of energy field of energy. I want to leave you with that part of the song where he sings, so don't you worry, don't you fret. Trust me, I've got no regret at all. I think that's sometimes why we don't rise up, why we don't dive into the deep end. He goes on to say, into space and out of time, I find my wings and learn to fly from a free fall. And isn't that our fear? Is that we'll just free fall and crash and burn. And then some of us have imaginations and we just add on to it. It gets even worse than that. <coughs> Pardon me. In our minds. In our minds we make up that it can be even worse than that. But trust me, I've got no regrets. Remember that part. No regret. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. Just go for it. Get in and do this. Look, in <clears throat> Matthew 5, and I was talking about this last week, where we find that the, that the master teacher is actually in verse 17, which I don't know that I even talked about. In verse 17, he, to me, kind of puts folks on notice to say that I'm not here to do what you think I'm here to do. 
I have not come to revoke the written law, the Hebrew law. I'm not, I know a lot of you feel like uh, this is blasphemy, that I am in opposition to what the ancient said, what the law is. But he's saying, I have not come to revoke, but to fulfill. See, you can't get there from here. You can't get there. There is, there is, this is not my talk for today, but as I think about it, you know, there are always leaders for the time. And when I say the time, it's what's required. So Moses, you know, they called, Moses led the children, the Hebrew children. And when we look at, when we look at, at kind of spiritual, emotional, maybe even mental, I don't know, not mental, but cultural maturation. They were the Hebrew children, the way it's described. I wasn't there, but I can read. And so the sense that I glean is that they were lost in their own awareness. They had the law, but they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't. Hmm. And so Moses was required to bring a level of order. You know? It's, and when we choose our leaders, we often are looking at, well, what's the work that has to be done? We're no longer starting the thing. We need somebody now who can take it to the next whatever. Or we need somebody who can build this part of it. Or we need somebody who can change it from what it was because what it was is no longer needed. And so now you have a leader who, or a teacher who is saying more specifically that the way that you have understood and are practicing the law it's not going to get you what you desire. This eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Somebody said, just going to leave everybody blind and toothless. <laughs> but if you're not thinking that and you're thinking tribally, you're thinking, we'll have all our eyes and all our teeth, but they won't. But there's never, that's not, a, that's not consistent with law. <laughs> you know, on some level, you're going to be blind and toothless. Because there's no way to put that out there to live in that and have something else. That's what, I just want to set the stage because then I want to jump to <clears throat> ultimately verse 43. But let me just tell you, beginning in verse 21, there are six times where the master teacher is said to have said, you have heard it said, but I have come to tell you. So it's, you can tell with that kind of repetition, if you will, that he's there to clarify. He's there, I know you think you know. I know you got, but see, you're, you're leaning on your own understanding. I'm trying to hook this thing up. I really am. You're leaning on your own understanding. I know you've been told an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And I know you've been told that uh, love your neighbors and friends and family, but not anybody else. I know you've been told that. But you haven't fully understood what else goes with that. So he's there doing that. So of the, the sixth time he says it is verse 43. 
And that's just where I want to start because all of it can work, but I just want to set the stage for where I want to go. You have heard it said, meaning Moses told the ancestors, show your kindness to your neighbor and hate your enemy. And I asked you last week, who exactly is your enemy? Because in most of us, by the time you get of some age, you've had plenty of enemies, and a lot of them are the best friends now. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about there was, oh, Lord, why this? But in elementary school, I had a little fight, and they sent me home. I'm like, why would this be the thing to tell, Lord, please? I could have gone the rest of my days without, like, revealing this little tidbit right here. But this is the picture I see in my mind. So it was somebody who lived just a few blocks from me. You know, in elementary school, you, you're, you're a community because everybody, at least in my, on my planet back when I was there, which wasn't that long ago, um, um, we all lived in proximity to the elementary school. And I believe at the time, I really would have been in primary school if you were in an environment where they separated it, because I think this was about third grade. And I have no idea. We pulled a little hair and shoved it. I don't know what we did. It wasn't a real fight, for sure. You know, like, I know fight now. But, oh, and I don't really know fight. I'm just like, I'm just, oh, I'm out here without a, I'm just, oh, I really don't. I really have no idea what that is, but let me just stay on point here. We did whatever we did, and they called us to the principal's office, and the principal sent us home. And, you know, my mother took me through a million questions. You know, there were those times often when I thought, couldn't I just get a switch? <laughs> just couldn't. I mean, I could. I'd be, I could just go get a switch. I really could. But this wasn't that moment. And there often, there were a lot more moments that didn't involve any switching whatsoever, but required that you go deep into your awareness of why giving your home training, were you out at the schoolyard doing something other than what you had been asked to do? And so there was that. But what I remember is after all of that, I then went to the girl's house and we played. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't tell you what the fight was. I don't think that next week I could have told you what it was. Or maybe that next day or the morning after. It was just over. But something had happened in the moment where my solution to it was, I'm going to give her some of this, uh, take her out. I don't know what my thought was, but it was not befriending. So I only say that to say, look at your life and see if you don't have some enemies who are now your best friend or some best friends who you now have put in the enemy column. But the idea here is, is that in verse 44, it's, but I say to you, I'm bringing you a new teaching. Love everybody. Love them all. Bless the ones who curse you. And I'm going to add sooner rather than later. I mean, it takes what it takes, but endeavor to do it sooner rather than later. I confess, I'm a slow one with that. It, it, I have been. I have been. I'm sure. I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I'm in the deep end. I'm taking a deep dive. 
And so I'm willing to more readily shift my energetic presence around what I don't like and what I think has been done to me or hasn't been or whatever it is that I might hold. And then, of course, he poses the question about, like, what's the benefit? I'm adding the word benefit. What do you get out of just loving the folks who love you? You, you know what I mean? Like, that's a been there, done that. It's not to not love them, but you can check that off. And so you can still be attentive to it and being in a loving relationship. And our work, the, mo- the mornings that we awaken, that our eyes open and we have a conscious awareness of being alive, our work is to expand that. It's to open our hearts so something more is revealed. Look, here's, here's what happened for me. I'm going try to try to do this. I'm in a little mastermind group and we were reading and I was worn out by this piece by, by Ernest Holmes. <clears throat> and um, I, I'm going to, they're going to put it up for you, and I'm going to read and tell you just where it blew up in my mind. In fact, I highlighted it. The God within you, this is Ernest Holmes, the God within you is a unity and not a duality. The very fact that this unity is changeless forever revealing itself to each of us is why the God who is already within, even though it is harmonious and perfect, has ever appeared as the God we believe in. Now, I kept struggling with the word ever. In fact, I decided that, you know, a lot of Ernest Holmes' works were talks that were uh, transcribed, and sometimes, the, well, the punctuation is always uh, 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 um, squirrely. Often, I should say not always, often squirrely. Um, and sometimes the words can be just, like that was just a letter off if I said never. And so let me read it to you with never. The fact that this unity is changeless, forever revealing itself to each, is why the God who is already within, even though it is harmonious and perfect, has never appeared as the God we believe in. Now I have, I finally have come to an acceptance of ever, but I also want to offer you never, because it's up to us whether we how we hold God, hold in our consciousness, who, what, how we think God is. So the truth of God, we may never have experienced that because we don't believe that. What we believe is in a vengeful, as an example, is a vengeful God. Now that's not the truth, but it don't matter on your planet. On your planet, you get to interact with a vengeful God. And so that's what gets replicated in your experience and the way that you will hold God, describe God, live in the sense of God is based on how you, what you believe. Oh, that woe me out. It woe me out. And I read it over and over. I marked it up. And it finally, I thought, oh, both and. But never helped me get it. 
See, Ernest Holmes goes on to say that, that uh, we worship the God whom we believe in rather than God who is. You better ask somebody, Ernie. Because, look, our relationship is not about who God really is, but what we can perceive. And look at here, we perceive based on our own sense of who we are. If you are not worthy of, deserving of, a God that is good, you're not going to pick one. That's not going to be the way that you define and hold, hold in consciousness is what I mean, and hold your sense of God. It will be something that's going to get you. Because you, we've all done something or haven't done something that we think we should have. We, we're somewhere on the continuum of wrong at some point in time. And so if you believe in an eye for an eye, you are covering your eye about now. Because you know at some point somebody's coming for that eye. But if you believe in forgiveness, if you, what? A deeper energy. If you believe, then you understand that something else can happen. He says, therefore, whatever God you believe in, provided you believe this God is already in you. Now, you may believe God is good, but it's someplace else, helping some other people. But if you believe, as the master teacher is teaching, his thesis is that God is in you. So if you believe that and you believe that who God is, how God is, you are, your work is to expand into the infinite possibility of the divine, not to try to fit yourself into whatever you last perceived or could discern. Because what you can discern ain't it. It's just the part you can discern. So look, this notion of the mind in you, the reason I wanted to start there again and probably will for a while is because I now am understanding how important it is to start there. To start to begin with mindset. Because if you don't have that mindset, you ain't getting this. I'm talking gibberish. You, what is she? I understand why she didn't understand it. I don't understand her. None of it is making sense. The first thing is to shift your mind, the way you think, what you can perceive, what you are able to hold true, what you are able to include in your consciousness on your planet. Does that make sense? on your personal, on your individual planet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so we're going gonna, gonna to have to not just silence the notifications. <laughs> I'm going to have to turn, figure out how on my, because you know I got a little sit up here. <laughs> but I was totally, something just popped up. And my mind just went, what was that? while I was trying to share an idea with y'all. So, look. <clears throat> Provided, Ernest Holmes says, whatever God you believe in, 
provided you believe this God is already in you. That God of your understanding must respond to you, can only respond to you at the level of your belief. This is why a deeper energy is required. This is why rising up is required. Now, if you just joining us, I know that didn't make no sense to you about going deep and rising up. You're going to have to start, you're going to have to view this on the video and really get this idea of how they go together, of what's required of us. And this helps us to understand even more how it is done unto us as we believe. I love this last line where Ernest Holmes says, the principle is infallible. The practice is what we make of it. It's entirely up to us. So look, how we hold God makes all the difference. What's our sense of in, in, in what's our sense of God? God is. And I know we throw out God is everywhere. All, God is all there is. That's what we say. Just God is all there is. And then we got a trillion exceptions. A trillion of exceptions. Well, that ain't God. Because it... Mm, what if we really work to see? In fact, there's this idea. I'm going to offer you an idea. What if, what if you steadily, <laughs> I'm not telling them that. What if you steadily, what if you steadily, every time you're faced with what you think might not be God, that doesn't feel like God to you. That felt like an attack. That felt like whatever it felt like. What if you began just a possible, just for drill, try on this little practice. I see you, God. That's, that's a disguise. I see you, though. I see you all disguised over there. I see you in that disguise trying to make me think. Da, 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 da. You, you see what I'm saying? Because this notion of the mind in you has been trained by you. And so it's doing some stuff that you're not even aware that it's doing because you programmed that long time ago. You know how a little alarm on your little smartphone goes off and you're like, what is that? Well, it's whatever you put in there. And so there's some stuff going off in your head. And so the idea is to look with greater discernment about how this is serving me. And just for drill, try it on for size like, oh, I, I see you, God. You trying to, yeah, yeah, I see you though. I see you over there looking like whatever it is that usually takes you out of the realm of God. I see you over there trying to, I know, because I said I was, yeah, uh-huh. I see you trying to test me on this. Little pop quiz here to see whether I'm really staying with my affirmation. But that's okay, because I see you. Yeah, I know what this is. Yeah. Just, I mean, I'm just saying just for drill, because what? 
the truth about the truth about what God is and how it is. And each of us has to come up with that for ourselves. There's not like any source that's going to tell you what God is for you. But I want to share this lyric with you. Sometimes raging wild, sometimes swollen high, never have I known this river dry. The deepest part of you is where I want to stay and feel the sharpest edges wash away. And when I close my eyes and feel you rushing by, I know that time brings change, time brings change, and change takes time. Rolling River God. Charles Holt. Rolling River God Little stones are smooth Only once the water passes through Now I Rough and grainy still Trying to reconcile this river's chill But when I close my eyes And feel you run Know that time brings change and change takes time and when the sun set comes my prayer will be You might pick me up and notice that I am just a little smoother in your hands. Sometimes raging wild, sometimes swollen high. Never have I known this river dry. The deepest part of you is where I want to stay. And feel the sharpest edges 
just wash away. But when I close my eyes and feel you rushing by, I know that time brings change and change. what we've established, what I've worked to establish is an energetic field where each of us is focused on and available to a deeper field of energy. There was a line in Rolling River God where Charles sang, the, deep of, the deepest part of you is where I want to be. In the deeper field of energy. Oh, how good and very good it is to know that there is a deeper field of energy and to have the clarity of mind and spirit to declare that that's where I want to be. In the deepest part of the divine. Excuse me. In the deepest part, the deepest aspect of source. The deepest that I can imagine. It is the deep that is calling to us always. 
calling to us to be in recognition of the whole, the perfect, the complete nature of the divine. In its allness, to recognize that there is not a spot where God is not, where this whole, this perfect, this completeness is everywhere always present. And if that's true, and it is, then that's mean, that means that it's also in me. That I too am whole, that I'm perfect, that I'm complete. That we all are. You see, truly there is not a spot where God is not. Which if we flip that says that God is everywhere always present. And none of us is an exception. Cut it out. Seeing yourself outside of the divine circle and accepting less than-ness as the calling on your life. This prayer is also a call, an invitation into the middle of the circle, the deepest aspect of the divine. Because I believe and know that there is a law of good. I speak into it now declaring health and well-being. Not for God to know, but for each of us to know that that's included. Loving, fulfilling relationships. This is not me putting God on notice of anything. God is. And already knows all that is to be known. This is me speaking it so that I am aware of my knowing. And because I'm doing it on mic, it means that anybody who hears within the sound of my voice can also be aware of my knowing and more importantly, their own knowing. That indeed there is a law of good. A law of love, a law of purpose and fulfillment, a law of beauty, of wellness, of connection, of acceptance. All of these are divine principles which, which operate as law, consistent, immutable, not a law of beauty where anybody else gets to decide the degree to which any of us is. This is the beauty where we just can't see anything else but the inner glow. Where we see the divine. Has nothing to do with the size of ears or shapes of eyes or noses or color of skin. It simply is as a divine and perfect expression of the all and all as each of us is that we begin to see the truth of our being and know the eternal love, the infinite love that is ever available for each and every one of us, that it is the truth of our being. The truth of our being is now, always has been, and will forever be. 
This prayer is a call to recognition, a call to realization that this is true. And so knowing this is true, I am grateful. My heart is just overflowing in gratitude, overflowing in appreciation, overflowing in thanksgiving. Oh, I just give thanks. I give thanks. I give thanks for this awareness of a deeper field of energy and knowing that that that's where I want to be, in the depth of the divine not skimming across the top, just trying to shave off whatever could, but in the depth, the deep rising into the whole perfect and complete nature of the divine, forever and always present in my life, in our lives. I give thanks. So it is an absolute perfect gratitude that I just release this word into the perfect activity of law that there is nothing that anyone needs to do to have this work, to have this be so. It is done out of our awareness. It is done unto each of us as we believe. I believe in the truth I've just spoken. So I know that this word cannot possibly return void. I accept it as so, now and forever. I simply seal this by saying, and so it is. Amen. Ashe. Oh, Lord, I'm grateful that we know that love matters.